0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network, your team every day.
1: It is Locked On Jazz for the 5th of April. A funny little note to wake the morning to. How old Neto banged up again. The Sacramento Kings are in town. When was the last time we played a team that was trying? And we'll look at our some fun little geeky notes and why my Rudy Gobert love affair is not just being a homer. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, a lot of geeky numbers. You can get it every single day, Monday through Friday, about 30 minutes to get you caught up on your latest team. Tell a friend or two. We might as well see if we can get some more people to listen to the show. You can grab it on the brand new app Himalaya. That's available for you on Apple Store, Google Store. It gives you great sorting, all sorts of fun little categories, great playlists that they pre-made for you. Check out Himalaya. Also available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can tell your smart device when you get in the car, Play Podcasts, Locked on Jazz. Hope you're doing great. Uh, Got a bunch of things, nothing, playoff picture, there's nothing really to talk about last night. Sacramento did play last night. Who will play today? We'll talk about them. They won 117-104. They're on a quest to get to 500, impressively. Uh, And there was the great game in the Eastern Conference last night between Milwaukee and Philadelphia when Giannis kind of took over, made his MVP statement, and then there was the irrelevant game between the Warriors and the Lakers that, of course, got national television because the Lakers were supposed to be good, and they're not. Um, I woke up this morning, I thought this was kind of a – a funny thing, I, I, I got a message. Now I have to see if I can find Oh, here it is. I, I got a message this morning, and um, it was on my Facebook. Someone had reacted to, to yesterday's show, and if you listened to yesterday's show, there was actually, like, a legitimate... Logical conversation for a brief moment about Jimmer and just kind of like what we can see and you know, you're a stats geek. You're wrong about Jimmer. Talent is talent. Something you know nothing about. Well, good morning, Jeremy. Nice to see you this morning. And kind of hysterical, actually, um, that the uh, that after all those years, we're still we're still doing that. Um, but anyway, thought that was kind of funny. Um, the d- bummer news. Yesterday was that Howell Neto is back on the injured list. Andy Larson did a interesting little note that of almost any time he ever plays heavy minutes, he's on the injured list the next day, um, and leading to some sort of uh, extended break from playing. We without with Rubio questionable, um, without Faves, without Corver. Uh, With Jay, I think probable, Uh, we really can't afford to be without Howell Neto. Not to mention that, as we talked about yesterday, Howell Neto's plus minus has become such a huge part of this team that he just, he somehow changes who the Jazz are um, when he, you know, when he's on the floor. And um, so to lose him tonight would be big. I mean, it would mean that Donovan's back at point guard and that Joe then has this you know, huge burden, which he's handled pretty well. But If we go back and look at portions of Joe's season, there were times when it suddenly felt like maybe that burden was a little much. Um, and so in turn, you know, we'll see whether or not uh, Howell can get ready to go. But that's that was a little bit of a bummer when uh, we came out with that report. What I think is interesting about it um, is the... Sorry, I just saw news that's going to make my um, wife very happy and I have to decide whether I'm going to wait 25 minutes or whether I'm going to tell her that she gets Jimmy Fallon back and she's going to be so excited to hear that and be so happy about that. Um, It's a big deal in our house that that's been missing. Nonetheless, back to my focus, which was obviously not very good right there. Um, You know, I think the one thing that I do think is interesting to how Neto is such a good player, so, um, you know, such the perfect teammate and 6-1. And this league has become to a level where if you're 6-1 and you're not just really, really built, 6-1, what is, you know, 175 has almost become too small in this league. That you just, you know, we have the rarity of a player that's under six feet tall, and I think getting to be the rarity of the player that's under 180 pounds. You just get beat up in this league now at such a rate that to be, you know, small means that it limits what you're capable, how much your body is capable of handling. You're, you're taxing the body at such a high level that every time – Howell goes and puts out more than 15 or 20 minutes. There's some sort of something today it's questionable due to ankle soreness. And that is just probably the unfortunate reality. And it's also why, you know, when you have the NFL draft coming up here and you hear everybody talking about measurables and everybody wants to kind of dismiss measurables, eh, measurables really matter, right? I mean, on December 10th, Howell played 19 minutes and then missed five straight and six of seven. Then he played 29 minutes and 30 minutes in back-to-back games and missed about 12 straight. Then he played 17 and missed six straight. And the last night he played, or two nights ago, he played 21, and now he's on the injured list again. Played an 18 in there and got through it. Um, but so it's just worth keeping an eye on. He also, you know, also in that stretch ended up with a concussion uh, of his consecutive games played. That is just because of what a, what a fighter he is and how he's, you know, just always into the mix. So that, I think, you know the interesting piece to that the the takeaway to me is just how big this league has become and how much you have what you have to basically become physically to be able to play in the nba is becoming smaller and smaller Uh, interesting Washington let Ernie Grunfeld go the Phoenix job is open just a side note we don't need to get big into it but I would suspect that Justin Zanuck and David Morway's name start to get mentioned um, around there in some capacity Um, the Jazz have got an incredible front office uh, led by Dennis Lindsay and you know one of the reasons you do this is the same way Alex Jensen's name is going to be one of the lead if not the lead candidate for Cleveland once Dan Gilbert probably runs through his list of Tom Izzo's and all the rest that he historically has tried to hire in Cleveland then you have then you'll have uh, hopefully some of the Jazz coaches Antonio Lang is one that I would think at some point in time someone clues into that is just one of the most wonderful personalities in the world and they might want to look at him as a leader of men um, in, in the case of the NBA so um, but Alex Jensen I certainly with his background in Cleveland will be in the mix of that when he was the g-league coach there and the g-league coach of the year and the entire front office of cleveland was running that g-league franchise at the time so that one makes a lot of sense dan gilbert has historically always wanted to go grab you know bigger names and bigger things and so that um i think he'll he'll run down that road whether it's calipari's lifetime contract he offered or tom Izzo, michigan state we you know so connected with um And then Alex's name. Same thing with Justin Zanuck and David Morway. GM searches stay a little quieter, but I would suspect that with the success the Jazz have had that those two names get mentioned. Um, David's been in a lot of places. Justin got a raw deal in Milwaukee, and that's just what happens when you have talent around. Uh, That's that's part of the deal of what takes place. Uh, One other kind of note, and then we'll talk Kings here in a second and and look at some fun things. I, at least things I think are fun. They're geeky. You know, you know me. Uh, but tonight, games of interest. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if you've been following our little joke on the broadcast, but the Eastern Conference standings is incredible, except for the fact that you now look at the wins column instead of the loss columns because you actually don't believe any of these teams can ever win a game. So tonight, Charlotte's home against Toronto. They're barely hanging on. Orlando, who is... In the eighth spot by half a game, a game below 500. of course. Uh, They host Atlanta, obviously playing pretty well. Uh, Boston, Indiana have that big game tonight, and Boston's missing some guys. Uh, But that one's for the fourth spot in home court advantage in what will be a playoff matchup between the two of them. Houston plays New York. Can't imagine anything goes wrong there for the Rockets. Miami is in Minnesota. Miami is in the eighth spot is in the night spot in the western in the Eastern Conference, excuse me at 38 and 40 they play one extra game um, So we'll see uh, what takes place with them. Oklahoma City is hosting Detroit. I don't think we're too worried about OKC anymore, but it'd be interesting to just see if they can win that Detroit though is in sixth place in the East and needs a win there. So th- these are really going to be fun games to keep an eye on as we tip off uh, tonight. And then from a Western Conference playoff standpoint, Portland-Denver is the big one. We're looking... we're That one's in Denver. We're looking... We'd like Denver to win that game, uh, separate and have Houston win tonight. If that can take place, then finally we begin to get some separation in the loss column between those two teams. Just one game for Houston. Uh, the... Uh, would be 28-29. to 29, And then... Uh, it does bring Portland within a loss of us, which I don't. I don't think we're catching them. Um, I, as I've said before, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I, I think we slip here at some point. We're just getting thin. We haven't played a lot of teams. They're playing particularly hard. Um, so I would suspect that we um, we slip here at some point. Portland, by the way, beat Houston two out of three this season. So I believe they own that tiebreaker between them and the Rockets. So if that lot we need Houston to loo- or Portland to lose one more game uh, than the Rockets. They play Denver in back-to-back games. All let right, right, uh, we'll come back. We'll look at the matchup tonight with Sacramento uh, and continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. I'm driving the new Santa Fe, and it feels like it's like a spaceship. It's so cool. It has, while I'm driving, I look straight out the windshield, and my miles per hour is out the windshield. Like, I don't have to look down anymore. It's just another one of these amazing safety features that Hyundai has. The last car I was driving, they had the back – uh, door held so that it automatically stayed shut if a car was coming. It sensed that for a safety feature for your kids. Hyundai is on the cutting edge of all of these technology pieces. It's not a brand that you always think of that way, but if you dig into it, you'll find out they are. And you get the most bang for your buck with Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai is located at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and Linden. You get the Murdoch guarantee and the no regrets policy that is the signature of the Murdochs. i just tell you this. If you're looking for a car, whether it's a small little SUV and then the Kona matches, the mid-size SUV, the Tucson's are flying off. I had it Tucson for a day and they sold it. I had to give it back so I'm back into the Santa Fe. Um, Check them all out. They're there for you and I think what you'll find and be impressed by is what you get for the value but just, you know, I'm not, just at least put them on your list. Go by, say hi to Jason at the forty six forty six South State Street, or stop by in Linden or in Logan. All right, today's show is also brought to you by Wise. It's spelled W Y Z E, and it's pretty cool for just twenty bucks. I know, just twenty bucks, which is like what two lattes this day these days. You end up, uh, you can get a camera that does it all. For only $20, it's a 1080p full HD camera that goes into your house. You can do it. Uh, it gives you access to live stream to your phone so you can keep an eye on it. has night vision. Images are clear. It has a zoom feature. Uh, all the things you would want. So whether you want to watch your kids destroy the house, you want to watch what happens with your packages, whether you've got, I don't know, you want to watch the slow cooker, that would be the most boring thing you could possibly do, but you could check and see if it's on. You could, as they joke, you can watch your water softener um, and check that. But seriously, you can have it as your house. You can use it for a baby camera upstairs. You can use it uh, to keep an eye on what's going on in your house. You can use it for your packages outside. Uh, it's, all, it's absolutely fabulous. Free rolling day, 14-day cloud storage, as well as... Uh, No subscriptions. So, it's so small and easy, and it's $20. You can do anything with it. Uh and find what's the best usage for you and your house uh, for you to be able to take it. So track the action, to text and tags and tracks motion. It's really cool. Check it out, wyze.com slash locked. That's wyze.com slash locked. Streams right to your phone, and uh, I think you'll be super impressed by it, probably do the same thing most people don't, which is buy one, wyze.com slash locked. All right, Sacramento is in town. When was the last time we played a team that was really trying? That was my daunting thought I had today. This is why you get very careful, and you've heard me say all the time that the first twenty games of the season are a better indicator of what happens in an NBA season. What an NBA season's in the last twenty. I was looking through it today, so Charlotte probably was trying. I think they played all their guys; they were trying. Washington, hard to tell, but probably trying. Lakers, no. Phoenix, not really. Chicago, um, it's hard to tell only because of what, Jim. Atlanta is trying. New York was not trying. Washington, I don't know what they were doing when we went down there. Brooklyn was certainly trying when they came in, and we smoked them. And Minnesota, it's hard to tell. We have really played a collection of teams where it is hard to tell what their uh, focus is. So it's not that we really haven't played teams that are trying, but it does feel a little funky with that. Sacramento, on the other hand, is doing some neat stuff. They they got knocked out of the playoffs. Their quest is over, and they are still holding on to the rope, which might be the most impressive part of their season. Uh, And they have really got some nice pieces. Uh, They finally have put this thing together. The DeMarcus Cousins trade was an enormous win for them, uh, as one of us said during that time period. Um, By the way, for all the times I'm going to be boastful about being right, and that one I was right and got mocked pretty heavily. Boy, could I have not been more wrong about the Sacramento Kings this year. Like, I ran the numbers on the Sacramento Kings and seriously thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the history of the NBA. They, we di- I didn't think they could score. I certainly didn't think they would defend. I had them as a complete, unmitigated disaster this year, and they've turned out to be 39-40. and 40. They've got three games left, Jazz, Pelicans, and at Portland, uh, to try to hold on to that 500 and win two of their final three, which... Uh, be able to do that. They've been kind of playing at 500. They're three and three in their last six. They're four and four in their last eight. They're five and five in their last ten. They're six and six in their last twelve. So if you, they've been kind of hovering around um, that, but that's to their credit. They've stayed engaged, and you know that Demarcus Cousins trade, Buddy Hield, Vivek kind of screwed it up because Vivek came out and said. um well, you've got, you know, he's going, to be the, he's going to be the next Steph Curry. And everyone sort of laughed at Vivek for that and was like, okay, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, he's not Steph Curry, but Buddy Heald is really, really good. In fact, Buddy Heald, if you take guys who take at least three catch-and-shoot threes a game, which is not a ton anymore, it's just kind of a number um, – it gets you to the top 100, basically, guys in the league. Buddy Heald is the number three three-point shooter in the league. Joe Harris in Brooklyn is number one. Danny Green in Toronto is number two. And Buddy Heald is three. It's kind of an interesting group. Here's the best catch-and-shoot three-point shooters in the NBA, which is, an, like, if you're a jazz guy, this is what you're looking for, right? Right. I mean, the Jazz, these are, we get the most open threes. I think we get the second most amount of open threes of any team in the NBA. So this is, these are the guys who, you know, would move our meter. Joe Harris is one. Danny Green is two. Buddy Heald is three. Kyrie Irving, four. Danilo Gallinari, who has had, for all my talk of of Rudy Gobert, and we'll do some more Rudy Gobert in a second, Donovan Mitchell and, all-NBA. Danilo Gallinari should be being talked about All-NBA. Or Lou Williams. I mean, they have been great. Uh, Bojan Banjanovic, Indiana, who's a free agent, I believe, this year, uh, is 6th and been an interesting pickup. Davis Bertans, seven. Steph Curry, eight. Bryn Forbes, nine. TJ Warren in Phoenix, who used to just be a mid-range marvel, uh, has actually developed that. Otto Porter, good pickup by uh, Chicago. He's a 43% catch-and-shoot guy. Always has been uh, that big contract, but uh, JJ Redick, Malik Beasley, Torian Prince in Atlanta, and then Landry Shamit, which was a great pick uh, by Philadelphia. And then they trade him to the Clippers, so a super pickup by the Clippers. Uh, guys, we'll see tonight uh, for Sacramento. Carl uh, Banyadovich is 18th in the league. Kyle Korver is the Jazz best at 20th in the NBA on catch and shoot um, opportunities for three. You, Uh, Then Joe Ingles comes in about 28th in the league at 40% on his catch-and-shoot. Donovan's catch-and-shoot since January 1st is over 50%, um, which is pretty remarkable. Um, He still is not in the um, upper echelon of catch-and-shoot guys. Guys with three catch-and-shoots a game, the – and actually, have played Dirk Nowitzki is last in the NBA. Sadly, Kelly Oubre in Phoenix, uh, Kevin Love and Carmelo. I don't think really click in there. They just haven't played enough. Uh, then Joel Embiid, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Jonathan Isaac, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jay Crowder are the um, are the next list of guys uh, that are the lowest in the uh, NBA. Markeith Morris, Malik, uh, Mikael Bridges out of Phoenix, which is a little disturbing since he was supposed to be a catch and shoot, uh, really good catch and shoot guy uh, coming into the league. So that's kind of your list of catch and shoot guys out there. Uh, One other note on the Kings tonight uh, they play the third highest pace of play in the league. Uh, They're the number two transition team in the NBA, the number 22 team in the league in half court so they play the fewest amount of half court possessions we keep teams into the most half court possessions so that's kind of the rub tonight in this game Uh, but they are the second best team in the nba in transition and the 22nd ranked team in uh half court offense uh so that that's the whole key of this thing is trying to keep somehow keep De'Aaron Fox. And if you go back to the last time they were in Salt Lake, probably the turning point of our season, they just ran by us Uh, the entire game. They just ran by us. And and I remember getting on a plane to Los Angeles and thinking, wow, maybe the league has really changed and the Jazz are just so slow that they can't keep up anymore. And that that was, um, to me, that might have been the turning point of the season. Do you love being around people who love what they're doing? Because that is what the barbecue pit stop is is it was so cool i went up to linden and hung out with um kennedy and the guys there at the barbecue pit stop and this is what the barbecue pit stop has created they have three different locations one in linden one in lehigh and one in salt lake at 13 south and third west and they are absolutely awesome barbecue aficionados havens they have the most incredible selection of rubs the most amazing collection of sauces that you can all taste. Obviously, they have every grill and smoker and, uh, from Traeger and all sorts of other uh, great brands there. The Wi-Fi controlled ones that made me think that they were fun gadgets. But what they have more than that is they have selection, they have expertise, and they have passion. And the passion that you get from Brian in Salt Lake, from Clinton in Lehigh, from Kennedy in uh, Linden, is what separates the barbecue pit stop. If you think about it, as a golfer walks into their ultimate golf store, if you think about it as a, uh, as a fly fisherman walks into one of those fly fisherman stores. This is it, and then you get the connections, and you try the rubs, and you try this, and you come home with that collection. You go to, or how do you want to cook that piece of meat? Or this is you're kind of moving into your next level of them and you're going to make a a little bit of a tougher piece of meat. They're going to help you out on the the tricks on how to do it. It's a wonderful spot, barbecue pit stop. Check it out. Get your summers going. The weather will turn to our advantage. Check it was sixty degrees sixty degrees in the valley yesterday. You should be ready. There's no no excuse anymore to not be up and running with all your barbecue stuff. I want to talk some more about Rudy, who is, you know, I'm in the bag for Rudy. I'm always pushing Rudy. But I think there's something interesting to this conversation. Um, Kevin Pelton texted me last night that Rudy Gobert has actually contested more shots, according to Second Spectrum, than any person in the Second Spectrum database ever. So his defense, we know. He's the best defense player in the world. There's no debate to that. We don't respect the best defensive player in the world the same way we do Steph Curry or James Harden, the best offensive player in the world. We should. It has the same impact on games. But what I think I want to just kind of talk about points gained for a second, and this is part of the reason why I'm so, you know, pro and in on Rudy's value. And Tim McMahon wrote the piece this week about his offensive value is that. Rudy's def- offensive game, which limited because he can't create for himself and he only shoots about 44% around the rim when he doesn't dunk, and sure, it's all created by other people, except for the fact that if other people could do it, they would. Clint Capella comes pretty close to being able to do it and deserves that credit. Montrezl Harrell does it a little differently with, with Hustle and John Collins, and Atlanta has some uniqueness to him. DeAndre Jordan, when he was with the Clippers, used to do it. But that's it. They're just aren't a lot of guys who can get up above the rim and dunk four and five and six times a night. And in turn, when you look at points gained, which is the offensive metric, if you take the amount of possessions a player uses in the game or scoring opportunities and how many points they score more than an average player would with those same, Giannis is number one in the league at 3.6, why he has my MVP vote. Steph Curry is 3.4. Harden is 3.3. Kevin Durant is 2.9, and Rudy Gobert is next at 2.8. Clint Capella is right after that. The value of having somebody who can dunk five or six times a game, even as I say that, I can almost feel it for people. Oh, just to dunk. But if people could dunk, they would on every single possession. I got into this with Sam Amick on Locked on NBA yesterday. It's a pretty good conversation if you haven't heard the show. Go back and listen to Locked on NBA with Sam. And we got into the... Two things that just are not valued in this league right now, ironically enough, are the dunk in defense. And it's not new. If you think back about Shaq, we used to kind of say about Shaq all the time, well, all he we can do is dunk. Well, right. But if everybody could dunk, that's all we'd have in this league because that's the best shot and most guys can't get to it. So here's Rudy, who in 11 scoring opportunities a night is having as positive an impact on a game as t- Kevin Durant is in 21. Because the only time he uses a possession is when it's an above-average opportunity shooting 67%. Clint Capella has the, some similarities to that. He uses about the same amount at 64%. Though, and, and in turn, both those teams are great. And both those teams get a lot of threes because they have incredible vertical pressure on the rim at all times. And it's just really, you know... I'm in the bag for Rudy on his impact on games, and it's largely sure. The easy answer is, well, you're the Utah Jazz radio announcer. There's data to back this up. The defensive data is abundantly obvious. We're the number one defensive team in the league if you take out blowout minutes. We're number two in the league overall. Rudy's the—we allow the fewest threes in the game. That's because of Rudy. We defend the rim incredibly well. That's because of Rudy. We have the best defensive shot distribution of anyone in the league. That's because of Rudy. Okay, that's easy. That's why he's the defense player of the year, so he's best defense player in the game. And now, offensively, you just want to diminish him and you want to say, well, Jokic is better and and some people do and everyone's better. It doesn't hold water when you actually look at their impact on the game. Sure, Jokic's passing is amazing and he's probably a better offensive player, has a bigger impact on offense than Rudy does. Maybe. I'm not entirely convinced, frankly. Um, But give him that. But then don't discredit Rudy's offense for not being a factor uh when you look at it does the 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 weakness on Rudy is he's only using 11 scoring opportunities a game so you couldn't build a team to have him carry that load you need some guys that are top you know using 20 scoring opportunities a night that's where those guys are are super valuable and you've got to have them ideally you can find ones that are efficient in the process but um that's that's where you have to have them but Derek by the way is you know, only using nine scoring opportunities, nights at one point two positive impact. That's a that's a pretty big deal for us. Uh, Buddy Heald tonight, eighteen scoring opportunities at one point one. That's great. Same as Buddy Heald and Bradley Beal. By the way, have the exact same offensive impact on games. Um, that's Buddy Heald's that good a player at this point, um, and and deserves to be. Talked about in that elite level as the you know third best catch and shoot guy in the league, uh, and to some extent maybe some of the three point catch and shoot stuffs no differently than dunking. It's not getting it off the bounce. Um, I think Buddy Hield has improved his off the bounce game. I haven't finished all my prep, but my memory from last time we played them um, is that he certainly has improved his catch his off the bounce game, and that you know that then changes who he is. That gives him a chance to be able to uh, get some other looks, but he, you know. To some extent, the catch-and-shoot three game that I'm giving Buddy Heald so much credit for is not crazily different than what we're talking about in regards to just being able to catch and get dunks and and do kind of those kind of things um, as a player. So that would be, you know, my thought on Rudy. And then, by the way, if you want to play around a little bit here, over the last 10 games, Rudy's the number one most impactful offensive player in the league. He's shooting 79%. He's using 12 scoring opportunities a game. Giannis is next. James Harden is after that. Uh, and then Danilo Gallinari, Joel Embiid, Devin Booker, Danny Green, Clint Capella, Mike Conley, Dwight Powell. Really like myself, Dwight Powell. Wonder if he's available. Kevin Durant, Kelly Oubre clicking in. Joe Ingles at 2.7. Here's your Jazz players as of late. Everyone's always asking. Donovan is a negative points gain player, which is fine because you need somebody to use possessions, but everyone's always wondering, can he get positive? Well, he's 1.1 over the last 10 games, shooting 47% from the field, 51% from three, still only going the free throw line 7% of his possessions, though that's better than it has been, Um, and only taking 26% of his possessions as three-point shots. Those two things improve, and I think he becomes a more efficient player. Um, The Jazz only negative player recently has been Kyle Korver. Um, and look what happens to the offense when suddenly everybody's positive. That Joe Ingles has been great. He's a 2.7. Jay Crowder's a .6. He's been negative all year. Ricky Rubio, .4, positive. He's been negative. Royce is right on a little above even. George Niang a little above even. Neto's actually a minus .2. But that, you know, if you can get all of your players as off, as positive offensive players, your offense is going to click in, and it bec- you become really um, unbeatable. Uh are negative players this year, Donovan's negative 1.1, Rubio's minus 1, Jay's minus 0. 0.5, Dante's minus 0. 0.5. So those are the guys that, you know, if we get to the playoffs and they can continue to be as good as they are, then then it's going to be really real. Uh, interesting. Let's take a look. Uh, title contenders often do not have players in the negative. That's what makes them so incredibly difficult to beat. They have a star, and then they have nobody who's negative. And if you look at Milwaukee, the only players that they have that are negative um, Pau Gasol a little bit at 12 minutes a game. And then that's basically it. Chris Middleton is a negative 0.1, but we'll call that average worth noting that when he gets paid big money in the offseason. but otherwise every regular rotation player for Milwaukee is a positive offensively. And that makes, you know, when you have Giannis driving it, every time you get the ball out of Giannis's hands and they move it to somebody else, they're going to be a positive plus their positive points gained, uh, Toronto is similar. Fred Van Vliet's minus 0.4 this year. Marcus Soule is a minus minus point four. OG Ananobi is right on even, but otherwise every single one of their players. You have Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard who are both very, very positive, 1.7 and 2. Um, and you flip it around. Philadelphia uh, does not have that. They have... Um, Jonathan Simmons, who they're not playing, is actually minus. Um, and actually, T.J. McConnell. So actually, Philadelphia has now achieved it, too, because they've stopped playing all their guys that are minus. It's interesting that all the title contenders uh, in the East, in the Eastern Conference are fitting this mold of having all of their offensive players being slightly above average. Negative offensive players are just Really, really difficult for you to overcome. Indiana does not have that. Tyreek Evans, Corey Joseph, Victor Ector to start the year. Um, we're all cons- Aaron Holiday, Wesley Matthews are all considerably um, negative players. That's you know that's part of the separation. And Boston over in the East has Terry Rozier at minus one point one, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown all minus. Gordon, to his credits above average. It's going to the line ten percent of his time. Ten percent of the time, he's just not getting the ball much. Ask Robin. Robin tweeted out the other day. That's what happens. You give my guy the ball. I'm sure that went over well. That wraps up Locked on Jazz today. Hope you're having a good one. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Go Jazz.
0: Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday...